Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. Our reading uh, continues uh, our series in Galatians. We're going to finish off uh, chapter four today and then through the rest of the summer, I kind of hope to, to, to finish it before the summer, through the rest of the summer, we'll uh, perhaps go for some more all age kind of services and things with uh, uh, children being in. And then uh, we'll resume Galatians from chapter five uh, after the summer holidays. But we're going to finish chapter Uh, for today. So we're going to read from verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically, These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labour. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Amen. May God bless his word to us. Now, when something matters to me uh, and I have to to speak about it, perhaps at short notice or just put on the spot, you know, in a meeting or something and someone asks for your opinion or to to speak to, to something, I have the unfortunate habit of repeating myself in many, sometimes different ways, hopefully different, sometimes in the same way. Uh, And sometimes that can be a very unhelpful thing. I'm sure often I do it here uh, as well. Um, It can, you know, sometimes be for bad reasons, though, that we're unprepared, we've not expected something, we're, we're nervous. But sometimes we repeat ourselves to emphasize a point because we want something to sink in, because we want people to to get it, to uh, really have it at the the centre of their lives, to hold on to something. It's often how we learn, isn't it? Going back to primary school, I I don't know if they do it like this now, but I remember times tables and things, it was just learning by rote. Keep, Keep repeating it, keep going. 
um, until you get it, until it's in your mind, and it's you know still there all these years later. We need to, to memorize, we need to repeat things, we need things to get stuck in our brain. And we can do it in different ways sometimes. You know, sometimes you listen to someone talk. Sometimes, you know, when our kids talk, we have illustrations, we have pictures, or we make illustrations with words. You know, sometimes we have videos when, when we're learning and, uh, and music and so on. Uh, all these things to learn something. Uh, and things do get stuck in our mind. You know, we've all had a song stuck, call it an earworm, because it's just stuck and we can remember the, the lyrics even years later. And I say all this because the Bible often repeats things, not because the, the writers were incompetent um, or, or anything like that, they were directed by God, but because there's something worth remembering, because there's something that we need to know, that we need to hold on to, that we need to keep at the centre of our lives. And Paul is doing this. He is saying the same thing, actually. You may have noticed, actually, our last few sermons, a lot of the same themes have come up. Things like being justified by faith, that it is God that saves us, that we are children of God as well, that we belong to him, that he loves us so much that he has made us his children, that uh, he has done it by promise, that we're not saved by our law-keeping. Again, that relates to this, this justification that we're saved by our belief or I trust rather than what we do that we don't have to obey the law to be God's people but we are saved by him and then as we'll see in in, in future uh, sermons that we we do obey him but not because we are, are forced to or but because we love him and we've been loved um, and so he's emphasizing our, our status that of children of God we have received these promises and that false teachers are coming in and they are saying the opposite, that you must do this, you must do that. And that uh, they're taking away freedom, they're bringing us into slavery. And what we actually have with Jesus, with the gospel, with the good news, is freedom. Because we have been saved by nothing that we have done, that we can't work our way up to God, that we can't climb the ladder, we can't do it. All these things we've seen time and time again. And... Paul said it in, in many different ways. And I think that's what he's doing again at the end of chapter 4. I think from chapter 5 he'll, he'll get a little more practical, uh, I suppose, still on the same theme. But he's telling us things in different ways. It's almost like this is something we are supposed to know and to hold on to, to keep. And he's building up a bigger and bigger case for his thesis, if you like, that all we need is to trust in Jesus Christ crucified and that is what rescues us. For the people then they would have been saying you need to be circumcised, you need to become culturally a Jew, all these things. No, it is faith in Jesus. Uh, and yet what we have in this passage is something that perhaps we read it, perhaps you've been to church many many years and you've probably thought what? Who, who are these people? What is going on? Why is he talking about covenants, about slave women, about children? It, it, it's a difficult passage. You think we can acknowledge that at the start. It's hard for us to understand. And yet that's why I started saying, you know, Paul's actually saying the same thing in many different ways, bringing out different emphasis. But he is saying the same thing, that we are free from all sentence, from all condemnation under God's law. 
because God has promised that he will rescue us uh, and he has made us his children. And so what we have to do today is to, 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 to cut through, to understand the history, the images that are used, uh, and to see why it matters for us today. So uh, to try and keep this as simple uh, as, as possible, first just want us to think, what does this passage actually say? Um, which is, sounds simple, but uh, you'll see. Uh, and second, what does it mean for us? Two very broad, simple headings for us to try and understand what Paul is saying both then and now, how it applies today. So first of all, what does this passage say? He is talking about history, and, and history does matter. We live in a society, I think it's fair to say, where history is, to most people, probably quite irrelevant. Maybe not most people in here, but in a wider sense, history is something that, unless it can be used to back up my point of view, well, it's, it's not worth uh, looking at. Our, our roots as, as, a, as a people, as humanity, as, uh, they don't seem to be particularly relevant. And you see, people don't like uh, historical institutions and so on. These things need to be dismantled and changed or removed. Uh, and, and so on. Uh, history needs to be uh, erased, something to be embarrassed about. History is, is weaponized, perhaps, but rarely is time taken to actually understand it. You know, uh, you'll have people who look to the glory days of the British Empire and say, wasn't it wonderful if we could go back to then? Which is obviously ridiculous because of things like slavery and so on. But then other people will say, well, we can learn nothing from the past because they did bad things then, and so it's all irrelevant. You see the point. It's very black and white, and that's just not how the world works. And so what Paul does is he has this, this history of what happened, and he's showing, actually, that people have misused the history of Israel and turned it into something else. And he's trying to tell us what it actually means. So we've got our history uh, picture here in verses 22 and 23. But he then also, you know, one of the ways we said we learn, you learn through illustrations and pictures. And he tries to paint that picture. He tries to, he calls it an allegory, basically a kind of metaphor to show us what it means. So if we just think of these two things, a history and a sort of picture. So the history is, is really the history of the gospel, of the good news. Uh, and it goes back to Genesis. And uh, Abraham was promised that even though he was very old, as his wife Sarah was as well, that he would have a child, a son, who would carry on his line. Um, he was promised even that he would be the father of many nations and would be a blessing to all the nations. And then things didn't happen right away. God promised this. This is the promise of God. You will be the father of many nations, your children. Uh, this will happen. God promised this, but it didn't happen right away. Uh, and that's important for us to remember that God doesn't usually work to our timetables. We are impatient most of the time. Uh, and God works and thinks in a different way to us. He does things when they're supposed to happen. But Abraham and Sarah, uh, we, we look at the Bible sometimes and we, we just see the heroes. Uh, and we have to remember these are people like us. Weak, finite, flawed, and they could not wait. 
So um, it, it, it's quite a dark story, really, actually. Um, and it's not a story written to credit Abraham or, or, or Sarah, but with Sarah's encouragement, Abraham sleeps with his, his servant, his slave, Hagar. Uh, and through this, there is a child called Ishmael who's born. A child, as is described here, born according to the flesh. And what that means is, you know, instead of listening to the promise, Abraham's gone and done his own thing. That's being born according to the flesh. Making it happen out of human impatience instead of trusting God. It's living by the principle of God helps those who help themselves, which isn't actually how it works. That is a wrong statement, but that's what Abraham has done um, in, in having a child with Hagar. And so you can see, what a mess. I mean, if there was ever a dysfunctional family, then this is it. Um, it, it it's going to be some awkward Christmases and, and, and so on, isn't it? You know, um, there's, it's, it's a broken family because they've tried to take control of the situation themselves. They've not listened to God. They've not trusted God's promises. And so this is what has happened. And so the result was verse 30. The son of the slave woman is cast out. And you can read it in Genesis. It's, it's, it's a dark story. And what it's showing is how Abraham and Sarah haven't listened to God. They haven't trusted the promise. They've gone their own way. They've tried to help themselves. They've tried to make God's will happen on their own strength. They've tried to do God's work. And they've created a mess. And so Paul's telling us there's two ways we can try and approach God. It's our way or, or God's way. And as we've seen, you know, our way is when we try and appease God by keeping all the rules, by saying, I'm a good person because I've done this and I've done this. I'm a good Christian because I go to church every... But what God says is, you're saved because I have saved you. Because I've given my son, because the sacrifice has been provided. Because I, he's saying, you're saved because God promises that he will not because of anything that we do. And when we go our way, it causes pain. And in everything in life, when we try and go our way instead of God's way, the end result is going to be sorrow and pain. God's way is the way of promise and brings about what is good and what is supposed uh, to happen. That is what he's saying. And of course, God is gracious and forgiving in his promise. Abraham and Sarah, they do have Isaac, the, the impossible but promised child. And, and it's just worth noting that, the, 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 how wonderful God's grace is. All that mess, all that dysfunction, all that pain that was caused by them. And God overrules and even brings good out of it because he is so gracious, because he is so good. And again, we're seeing these notes we've seen uh, throughout the last uh, few weeks. Uh, I, I want to say something um, which I hope isn't too, too, too difficult, but I think it's important to say that the, the promised child is for a very specific purpose. And I, I know people have abused passages uh, like this and think about some sort of lack of faith for, for not having children. That is not what Paul or the Bible is saying anywhere. This was a very specific purpose for the salvation of all people. That's what the promise of a child uh, was uh, about. It doesn't mean that it, that specific promise applies to us today in that sense but it does apply in the sense that we are saved that we are rescued that that god has worked so that we uh, can be saved i know these things are difficult but i know how scripture can be abused by people uh, and give people false hope 
uh, and we want to, to, to avoid that uh, in preaching um, especially. But if that is a difficult thing, please do uh, speak to me uh, after as well if, if, if you want help. So that's the, the, the history of the gospel. Though. God made a promise. Abraham and Sarah tried to make it them happen themselves. They made a mess, but God is gracious. And there was uh, the son of the free woman born through the promise. And it's all about what God does, isn't it? And what God promises. Uh, and so uh, you, you have these two children. But then Paul kind of says it in a different way. He says it may be interpreted allegorically as a kind of metaphor. History is one thing, and I love history, but it can be it can be dry. It can be a little, to some people at least, can paint those wonderful pictures though, and that's what, what Paul does. He uses this history to illustrate something to us. And verses 24 to 27 tell us something about this. This historical event is to be seen as a picture of something. The women are two covenants. And a covenant is another way of describing God's promises that, um, you know, he, he promised Abraham he would have children, that they would be a blessing to all nations. And that's what he did. That was a covenant, a promise that was made. And there was uh, another covenant made at, at Mount Sinai, as is described here, of a law, of the Ten Commandments uh, and so on. Uh, and what Paul is saying is, Isaac, the son of promise, relates to the, the promise of being a blessing to all the nations of salvation, whereas Hagar uh, is a picture of the, the, the promises made to do with the Ten Commandments, to do with the law that was given, to do with that having to do all these things, always trying, never quite getting good enough, always failing, that frustration that we've spoken about many times of not being able to keep the law. So what Paul's saying is, being a, a child of the slave woman is like being under the Ten Commandments of having to obey them, to keep them. And being a, a child of, of, of the promise is, is, is being Abraham's child and Sarah's child and, and being those who are God's people. I, I, and he says, you know, um, he's quite direct. Um, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. And what he's saying is, it's quite shocking really, seeing the centre of Jewish worship the temple, the focus they had on it, uh, this whole where everyone travelled every year and so on, all its rituals, all that they did. What he's saying is that's slavery. He's saying you're enslaved when you're there, when you're holding on to that. That you're a child of, of Hagar, the, the slave woman. It's shocking for a Jew to hear, but it's important to know because they weren't actually knowing God. They, were, they weren't receiving his promises. They were relying on themselves and they missed what God had promised. That he would do it. That he had done it by, by promise, not by anything that they would do. And so the, the, the temple in Jerusalem wasn't what it was all about. And Jesus, of course, told this to the women of Samaria. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. That time had come, Paul speaking in that time. Uh, and that it was really about Jesus. He told the, uh, Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because they, you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. 
And you see what they're doing is they're in the present Jerusalem. They're only looking to their tradition, to their rituals, to their culture, instead of looking to Jesus, instead of looking to him and trusting in him and having faith in him and believing the promises of God that, um, that as Abraham would have a child, a child would come of that line and that child was Jesus who would rescue them. That's what they were to believe and they had missed it. It was all through the Old Testament, all through the law, and they missed it. That's why he starts by saying, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? They're saying it's all there for you. you. You claim to believe the Bible and yet you completely ignore the Bible, really is what he's he's saying. What about those who, who place their faith in Jesus? Well, verse 26, he says, the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. Another confusing term, uh, perhaps. What he's saying is that he's talking about the church, essentially. Christians are people who have a, st- a status of being part of God's kingdom. One of his people, kids of God, children of God, as we said. And so that means we belong to the Jerusalem above. It's like we're already in heaven. We're already in his kingdom because we belong to him. And wherever we are, we can serve and worship God. Again, what, what Jesus said to the women of Samaria, we worship in spirit and in truth. That Jerusalem above is where we are and it's free and it's our mother. And so if we're a, a child of, uh, of Abraham, a child of the promise, then we belong to God. Trusting in the promises of God brings something far more than we realise a lot of the time. That we are his children, his people, that we belong not here, but to the kingdom of God, to the Jerusalem above. That we are, uh, in a sense, already in heaven if I can put it like that, that uh, Paul speaks elsewhere, you know, it's, it's guaranteed that we've had the first fruits of it, that it's already been given to us and we're just waiting to go there fully, but we already have it. We already have God's promises for us. And so no wonder Paul quotes Isaiah, that rejoicing, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labour, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. And he's saying a day has come of rejoicing. Uh, Isaiah was speaking to, to an exiled Israel or an Israel that was going to be under exile, was going to be broken. And the whole nation is going to be returned out of slavery uh, is, is the promise of Isaiah. And it's a picture of what happens to us, that we are brought from slavery to freedom. We are brought from sorrow to rejoicing, from darkness to light into God's kingdom, into the Jerusalem above, into being one of his people. That's the history. That's the picture. Uh, I hope you can understand why we we took that time to kind of just go through it, because there is a lot of stuff there that isn't how we speak, isn't how we think. But, But to someone reading this, they would have known what he was saying. He was saying that freedom isn't found in ourselves, but it's found in trusting in God in his promises, that if we don't, then we have put ourselves in slavery, that we are not with God, we are not for God, we are against God. But freedom is found in trusting in him and his promises and in nothing else. And if we do that, we belong to him and to the Jerusalem above, to heaven. 
So that brings on to our second thing. What does it mean for us? And we've probably seen some things. We we trust God's promises. We don't trust in ourselves. Absolutely. We, we do belong to God, that we already have a, a status, an identity as being one of God's children. And, and these things are really the, the second half of the passage from verse uh, 28. Now, you brothers like Isaac are children of the promise and so on. Kind of tell us what it, what it means. Um, it is something so far removed from our world, all these things that Paul is saying. But he is writing to Christians. He is writing to people who aren't Jews, a lot of them, who need to be encouraged that they don't need to become Jewish um, for this. And so this history is actually our history. This letter is written for us. We who believe are children of promise, that we are, in, in a sense, that, that, that line of Abraham, that we have entered into that. That this history, that the Old Testament, the whole Bible, is our history. This is who we are if we believe. So let's see some things that we can learn from this passage. And the first is simply that we are children of promise. Um, we were singing it in, in by faith. And it's what chapters 3 and 4 have emphasized time and time again. We are children of God and we have become children of God by trust, by faith in what God has promised and what he has done in his promise, how he has given his son to die on the cross. And we've said how, you know, cursed is anyone hung on a tree. Well, Jesus did that for us. How we've even been crucified with Christ, that all our sins have been wiped away and that we belong to him. We are his children. He has adopted us as his own. We are children of promise. We belong to God. We are of the same line of Abraham. We are not under the law. We are not bound to keep it so that God will love us. We are his children because we're his children, because he has promised it. And nothing takes that away. Nothing adds to that. Nothing creates that except God himself. He does it. He makes us his children. That's it. We are children of promise. We have been brought from slavery to sonship, darkness to light, from being a stranger, a foreigner to God, to being one of his beloved people. We are citizens of his kingdom our identity is forever changed we are children of promise if we have placed our faith in jesus that is the most important thing that is who we are that is our you know what our passport says that can't be changed we are his we are children of the king we are his people we belong to him and so if we are that, well, the second thing I think we can learn is we need to be patient. And that brings us back to Abraham and, um, and Sarah and all that they did with Hagar and so on. It can be hard living in this world following Jesus. We know he promises good things, perhaps. We, we know he promises us eternal life, heaven, of a place of no more tears or pain or suffering. And we, we know it will come. We know that he's promised to be with us even that his spirit is with us if we believe and yet how many of us actually feel like that every day how many of us live with that reality every day we don't always feel it if we're honest we can't always remember the things we know to be true and especially when things are difficult it can be even harder then and perhaps when things are good as well we find it hard to to really be aware of the the presence of god or need for him because we have confidence in ourselves or we're bogged down by our circumstances. And so that's when we become like Abraham. 
We want to fix everything ourselves. We think we can do it. That we can make ourselves perfect, for example. We think that we can be in control. We think that we can make this world the place it's supposed to be. We think we can make ourselves the people we're supposed to be. We think that we can create heaven here on earth. The message that we're given here is be patient. Trust in God's promises. Be patient in suffering. Be patient even when things are good. Be patient. Trust in God's promises. Sometimes it will be difficult, but keep trusting. Keep being patient, even even when it seems impossible, even when it seems like nothing could possibly change. Keep trusting in God's promises. It is the one of the hardest things that we'll do, if we're honest, when things are bad, when illness comes, when sorrow comes, when pain comes. It's hard to keep trusting in the promises of God, but the message here is keep going, keep doing it. He has promised, and it seems slow sometimes, but he is there. Keep going. And so many of our problems are actually caused. I'm not saying all of them, don't get me wrong, but so many of our problems are caused by ourselves it's the consequences of our own actions a lot of the times when we try and rely on self and then it doesn't work so we try and rely on self more and we keep spiraling out of control we try to take more control uh, and it becomes even harder but i think this can actually be a very encouraging thing it's kind of a negative way to look at it before and and it's true but it can be a very encouraging thing because we're not all we're supposed to be and we do feel that pressure that we want to be better we want to be better christians we want to be good people and of course that's not a bad thing in itself to want that but it's when we try and do it without god and actually what we can do is we can be at peace and rest knowing that no matter how much i mess up no matter how much i do get wrong even if i don't want to and we shouldn't want to of course but he's already promised to bring me into his kingdom I'm already a child of promise, already belong to the Jerusalem above. If you believe, you're already his child, already in the family. And we can be encouraged that despite our failings, despite our weakness, despite our flaws, despite even the evil in us sometimes, he loves us, he cares for us, he forgives us, as we were saying in our confession. But you are a God ready to forgive gracious and merciful that is his promise as well we can be patient knowing that he is with us and last thing is that when life is going wrong externally these things don't have the final say when circumstances are against us when there's nothing we could have done god's promises are still true and he will still be there we never lose that place of belonging even if we've lost absolutely everything else here Uh, Think of Job in the Old Testament. He lost his family. He lost his health. All he had was just clinging on to life. And yet he still had the promises of God. He still had God with him. And he could still say, even in his anguish, I know my Redeemer lives. The last I will see him. He kept trusting in God's promise. So we can be patient. But another thing is, we'll be opposed. We will face opposition. And we may think of this in terms of persecution from unbelievers, but that's not really what Paul's saying here. He's saying that religious ones, those who oppose the gospel with the cloak of religion, 
they will oppose. And Jesus himself faced that, didn't he? The Pharisees were against him. They conspired, actually. The, the, the Jewish ruling class, the religious elites, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they conspired to kill him. Uh, and I think what it looks like today, though, is it's, it's when we insist on extra-biblical rules of someone being a, as the indicator of someone being a Christian. Remember, I, I didn't really face this myself, but I remember people from the Highlands and, and Islands honestly, uh, telling me that when they became Christians, they, for example, had to stop playing football. Um, not sure why, but that was kind of the culture, um, at least on some days of the week, um, you know, not, not even Sunday, I mean, and hopefully that was a long time ago. You see the point, there was a certain culture that created this barrier that, that you know, that you had to cross to be one of God's people. And I'm sure we can do the same thing, even subconsciously, just thinking, well, that person can't be a Christian. I, I know them. You know, that kind of thing. And so the application for us is to make sure we're not the ones creating that barrier to people. What might we insist on that isn't biblical, that isn't God's word, that isn't what God says? What might we add on to faith or to Christ's sacrifice in our place? Something for us to think about. And yet at the same time, we need to as well defend the truth. Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. We need to stand for truth. The, the slave woman is, in this metaphor, is cast out because it's not a promise. It's not what God says. It's not what God wants. This was the consequences of Abraham's actions. It's wrong. We have the good news that Jesus died in our place, that we're saved by faith in him rather than anything that we do. We have the whole scripture before us. And it's that that we hold on to. And it's that that we must defend. It's that that we must hold precious and not let it be diluted. Not let it be taken away from us. That's part of what Paul is saying. Don't let anything that gets in the way of, promise, of the promise of God be amongst us. We must hold on to the good news of the gospel and not be... Um, reticent not be hesitant in defending that and making sure that we are uh, holding on to the truth of the gospel but finally uh, time is more than up but just finally paul finishes saying we are not um the, the slave shall not inherit with the son of the free woman so brothers we are not children of the slave of the free woman and he's simply saying there is an inheritance that we do inherit something that the son of the free inherits eternal life that we will live forever that we will be resurrected just as jesus was that there will be a new creation that everything will be renewed and restored and it's not fanciful dreams it's the promise that god has made to us and we are children of that promise and the only way to receive that hope to enjoy these things to have it is to trust to put our faith in jesus nothing in ourselves simply looking to him as the one who has loved us, as the one who has lived with us, who has died for us on the cross, who has shown us that great love. And what we do, all we do, is we receive. That's an inheritance, isn't it? We receive it. We open our hands and we receive it all. We receive God's mercy and grace and love, his promises. And that is where freedom is found. That is where life is found. That is where joy is found. In opening our hands, opening our arms and receiving what God 
has promised to us. That is freedom. That is taking us away from slavery. That is being one of God's children, free from the effects of sin, free from the need to perform, free from the insecurity of our own works, free to love God and enter his kingdom and live forever. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensborough and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensborough.org.